His lungs burned as if he weren't breathing oxygen at all, but the choking red dust that spat up with every footstep. Footsteps taking him nowhere. This was the middle of nowhere. That much he knew. In the middle of nowhere and still the world was strangling him. The low branches stretching to take their ounce of flesh, to welcome him to the neighbourhood permanently. It had so nearly succeeded, but he escaped. Now he was running for his life, a throwaway phrase that he never believed he would actually have to realise. He didn't feel alive, far from it. The crushing fear of capture consumed everything, his focus constrained to each step, each rocky scramble and dive between trees. He felt like an animal, reduced to base instincts of survival, everything classed as simply dangerous or safe. The long fingers of the relentless sun reached through the trees, becking the ground where it found land, dappling the bare earth in light but offering no glowing path to freedom. There were trees and rocks, trees and more fucking rocks. He had no idea whether he was heading towards civilization or further into the outback. Around another rock scorched by the sun, his calves tightened, as if the manacles were still weighing him down. The cold, rusted metal he thought would chain him until that psycho decided to kill him. He couldn't stop. Despite the pain, fatigue and crippling lack of air in his lungs, he couldn't stop. Stopping meant death. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hi and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Angus Dalton here with you. You just heard James DeLaghi reading from 55, his new thriller novel set in outback Western Australia. It's set in a sleepy town called Willbrook and centres on Chandler, a police sergeant who's fairly content dealing with the small town crimes of traffic violations and the odd punch-up at the pub. But things in Willbrook are shaken up when a young man in bloodied clothes stumbles into the police station and says he's escaped a serial killer who kidnapped and drugged him. Not long after, another man with the exact same story is marched into the station at the end of a shotgun. The two men accuse each other of being the killer, and then things start to get very complicated. James is here to chat with us about the book. Hi, James. Thanks for coming along. No problem. It's nice to be here. So you were born and raised in Ireland, as people might have guessed by the accent, lived in South Africa, Australia, and Scotland, and now you live in semi-rural England. Um, Whereabouts in England are you? Uh, I'm based uh, around Cambridge. Um, obviously, it's a, a a very sort of university town, but yes, that's uh, I've moved out there. I get this image of you like looking out over like this drizzly landscape with rolling green hills as you write this book that's so set in like the baked heat of the outback, which I think is hilarious. Is that did that actually happen? Did you write it in Cambridge or? Yeah, it, it's written. Um, well, yeah, it's it's written mostly in around Cambridge and with the sort of kind of rolling green hills. So yeah, it's completely the opposite. Um, sort of landscape as to where the book is written so um, but imagination is everything absolutely so how did you come to write this book set in the outback well um, I've lived obviously I lived in Australia for a year and I traveled around Australia as well and I spent some time in western Australia and it's um, it's just a wonderful landscape the whole of Australia is a wonderful landscape but there's something about 
West Australia, it's um, sort of uh, majestic and murky um, and sort of uh, malevolent and and sort of magnificent at the same time. It's just it's full of full of um, possibilities. Well, how come you've moved around so much in your life? Are you just one of those wandering souls, or is it because of work stuff? Or um, that's a good question. Um, just because it's the opportunity, I I thought to take the opportunity to move around before you know, settling down somewhere to experience where you might want to live where, and experience parts of the world that um, you might not get a, a chance otherwise to experience. When you first saw the Outback, what were some of your first-hand experiences there? Like, were you camping? What sort of places were you visiting? Well, what, um, one, of the, one of the experiences is in the book um, uh, where I, I sort of, we were on the gun barrel highway between Alice Springs and Perth going overland and so we stopped for a, a comfort break, let's say. And so um, I sprinted out of the van and in behind these sort of um, bushes and straight into this huge big spider web. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I spent then frantically for the next minute ripping this spider web off myself and panicking that I'd walked, uh, I was about to be bitten by something that obviously is very famous in Australia so yeah well the spiders here can actually kill you right yeah so <laughs> that would have been very nerve-wracking well yes so any other wildlife encounters of the more slithery kind or oh yeah there's plenty of snakes yes and, and just sort of come across but most of the snakes I've met were weren't I didn't come across them sort of um in a surprise sense they were sort of just lying in the sun um but yeah there's plenty of wildlife in Australia to uh, intrigue. It's funny because with the outback, I think people even who live in Australia, particularly on like the eastern seaboard and particularly in the major cities, don't really re- venture out into the outback ever. Like when we go on holiday, we sort of just slide up and down the coast and the outback is sort of seen as this sort of mythical place overrun with dingoes and serial killers. Um, did you come to Australia with a similar sort of uh, perception of what the outback was? It's hard to say. I didn't really, because it, it, the Outback is quite, you know, obviously, obviously the city is quite cosmopolitan and then there's small towns and then you sort of go more and more rural. And yeah, the Outback, it's different because it's 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 obviously a harsher climate and there's, you know, and there's sort of, you know, a fight to, you know, get enough water, get enough food, etc. And um yeah, some of the sort of fruit picking, etc. You know, is quite popular in you know Western Australia, and yeah, there's some experiences in you know staying in hostels, etc. Some very weird and wonderful characters as well. Um, so yeah, the outback, it's there's it's just it's it's it look you know it's vegetated and remote, but you know. But it, whenever you get out there, there is there's such a, a sort of vastness that's hard to describe. Actually. I was very entertained because one of your characters in Fifty Five uh, describes the outback as an experiment by God to judge the most extreme conditions life could prosper in, mm. which I thought was a pretty great description. Because when you see, obviously, as you say, it can be vegetated, but also you've just got that feeling of emptiness as well, and the feeling that how could anything live out here, especially on a hot day, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 very much so. Yeah, whenever you travel out, it's it's just the sun is just relentless. You know that the landscape's resent, relentless. You look to the horizon, and it's just nothing but you know shrubs and tree, you know trees, and just nothing breaks the skyline at all. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so where did this ambition to write a book come from? Like, were you, as you sort of travelled around, did you have this idea that you always wanted to write a book? Was it just seeing the outback and you were mm. like, oh my God, I'd love to set a story here? Like, where did that come from? It's actually, I, I only began to actually write, um, I actually started writing screenplays after I came back from Australia. Um, and of the, the, the first book that I, I attempted to write was to do with sort of somebody coming back home and then finding out that they had a child in Australia. Um, not true. I'll just point that out. <laughs> but um, uh, or not based, in fact. Um, and uh, so it just began from there. So I started writing screenplays and then because I never thought I could actually write a novel, because if you look at a novel, 100,000 words, you, there you think, well, there's no way I can write 100,000 words and make them coherent and uh, into a viable story. Um, so then I did screenplays for a while, uh, but uh, those didn't really go anywhere. And then so I started, started planning to write novels. And so once I sat down to plan how I could go, how I could, you know, go through a whole novel, then 100,000 words doesn't seem quite as daunting as it first was. Okay, so the actual writing of it maybe wasn't as challenging as he thought it would be? No, no, the, the actual, once, well, the, the actual, the planning, I find the planning um, more daunting than the actual writing, but because, well, my outlines would be quite in-depth, so once you come down to actually do the writing, it's a bit less daunting if you've got a if you've got an outline that's planned. Obviously, there are parts once you get to the actual writing, some of the outline might vary somewhat, and then so you have to think again of how this is going to work. But yeah, but you've got the actual architecture there. Yes, yeah. as I say, yes. Yeah, so yeah. If you have the skeleton in place, then it's easier to put the flesh onto the bones. Right. Um. So. Uh, where did the idea for this novel sort of bubble up, um, this contradictory sort of case that this detective is faced with? It actually came from um, being at home in Ireland, just walking. And, and completely somewhere that the complete sort of um, opposite to outback Australia, like lush, green, etc. Um, everything you can think about Ireland, that's what it was. Um, and I just thought of the idea of what would happen if two men entered a police session somewhere remote and just told exactly the same story, you know, how would you how would you be able to tell the difference? How you have no third party to corroborate one or the other. So how that that so that's what the main idea came from. I watched a trailer for Fifty Five, um, and it was absolutely fantastic and really really scary like it's got all those sort of like horror movie things of bloodied people dragging themselves through the dirt and creepy ants crawling everywhere and like blood circling mm. a drain um how scary does 55 get like do you view it as a bit of a horror or more thriller or it is more of uh, i would say it's more of a thriller than a horror but obviously anything that involves um sort of the tension uh, of 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 a town being under threat and people being under threat will have some sort of horror aspects to it, um, and uh, but it generally it's it, it's more of a thriller than a horror, but the, the, um, there is sort of the tension. I try to keep the tension throughout the book. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's just because the outback as a setting lends itself? 
to that more sort of horror twist that it becomes a bit like a bit more scary, I guess, in that sense. Well, yeah, it's I suppose all horrors to do with sort of isolation and so the isolation of the town and sort of the isolation of the people and um, within the town. With um, so yeah, that would there would be a horror, horror aspect in that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so tell us about Chandler, this man that you sort of throw into the mystery who has to un- untangle it. Well, Chandler is essentially happy in his own life. He is, he's, he's, he's a single father. He's got two kids. Um, so his, his, his sort of main um, focus is on making sure the kids are okay. And But he also sort of is the uh, sergeant of the town. So he feels a responsibility to sort of make sure that his inhabitants are um, safe. So he's not a person who really is looking for this sort of kind of high-profile sort of um, murder case, but also feels compelled to um, involve himself when it threatens people in his town. Did you have to do any research in terms of the actual sort of um, the police side of things and how like a crime would actually be investigated and that sort of thing? Yeah, very much so, because obviously the systems in every country are different. Mm. Um, there's different... Um, ranks different uh ways of uh so obviously state police here and the local police um and sort of all the inspectors etc uh but again and and you have to investigate obviously not you have to investigate how they solve crime and forensics and that type of, there's quite a lot of research goes into the actual sort of background of building up uh, a knowledge of that before you you can actually sort of plan out what should happen. Yeah. So, what sort of sources of information did you go to to get a handle on all of that? Oh, there's uh, there's lots. Of, that's the good thing about Google these days. I don't have to search through a hundred thousand books to find, you know, snippets of information about what the police would do in certain situations. So, I use a lot of. Um, uh, from even the the, so it's the Western Australian sort of police um, force website, um, a lot of uh, information on sort of from the web, from sort of lawyer you know firms of lawyers saying that if you are arrested, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't say, this is what you should say, you know, etc. Just to build up an idea of what um, you know the characters would do and what the police would do. In the same situation. Yeah. Did you look at any real cases of kidnappings or serial killings that have occurred out in the outback? Or, well, yeah, I, I looked at quite a number of um, of the serial killers, obviously, because one of the characters in the book has quite a fascination with um, uh, one of the, the police uh, constables has quite a fascination with serial killers. So, yeah, I, I researched obviously. Um, even Millat and and others as well, uh, as well as some of um, some American solar killers as well, just to sort of as background, um, and as sort of what you know motivation as well. You know what 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 does motivate you know a serial killer? Yeah, everyone's got that friend, don't they? That, that that's like their thing, the obsession with serial killers. Are you that friend, or was it not until this book that you began to sort of really look into it? No, I I gotta say yeah, that I'll not name names. But I think I have some friends who are more obsessed with serial killers than <laughs> I am. I'm just more obsessed with information. I like information, and that's 
I like putting things in my books that sort of intrigue me, sort of snippets of information that I'll learn about and go, oh, that's very interesting. So I'll I'll put that in, you know, mm-hmm. something that um, something that I have I don't know and and just find out and thought, oh, well, maybe somebody would be interested in that. What is the significance of this number 55 in the book? Well, um, obviously, uh, the two characters come in and claim that they're going to be the 55th victim. Uh, and so they have to, the police, uh, Chandler, has to um, solve the crime before the 55th victim is killed. Um, so the, the number... Uh, is quite the number is very important in the book you know um there's also 55 chapters in the book oh cool yes that 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 wasn't (laughs) that that's more a coincidence than that oh really not part of the architecture that wasn't part of the architecture (laughs) because chapters were um sort of added and chapters were um cut and it just so happened in the end that there is 55 chapters and that that's something i didn't even realize until um, the print of the book. Oh, that's actually. almost creepy. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but so yeah, so yeah, fifty-five is as a is a, you know it's a big number and it's also a. It, 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 I don't know it's something about the number. You know, it's quite. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's just it's something that says it's it's sort of familiar, but. You know. Creepy. I don't know. I, it's hard to describe actually. What it just. Um, but it is it plays a big part in the book. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That's sort of why I asked because mm. it is there's something enigmatic and and weird about it that number. So yeah, the fact that I don't know whether it's the fact that it repeats itself, you know, except you know just five and five, yeah. you know, but yeah, but somehow forty four doesn't sound as scary. No, yeah, <laughs> oh, I get, yeah, I haven't thought about yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we have Chandler, the police sergeant chatting early on in the book with the first man that comes forward and says that he's been uh, kidnapped and just escaped a serial killer. And they have sort of this glancing conversation about religion. And then he also has described that there's a cross on the wall of the serial killer. And also just as all of this sort of chaos goes down, um, one of Chandler's children is sort of rehearsing for her first communion. So is it right to say that religion sort of becomes a part of this mystery? Well, yeah, religion certainly plays a part, a big part in the mystery because, um, yeah, some of the characters do sort of ha- are religious themselves and and um, it's part of their belief systems, part of who they are as well. But that's, that's the same as, you know, a lot of people in real life, are, you know, obviously religion is a big part of their lives. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, it's hard. I'm don't know what to say really about it other than more than, than yeah there is religion does play a part in it yeah coming from ireland do you notice that there's like a difference in terms of like the religion there because there's like maybe it's a stereotype but there's a perception that um religion is very deeply embedded in irish life i guess and australia is, is sees itself as more of like a secular country i guess would you say that's sort of accurate or that is certainly what you know that as you say that's certainly the stereotype that that, that if you think of australia you 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 can't. You don't really pin a, a specific religion on on the country, but Ireland itself sort of is expanding, but uh, from being very secular to more expansive in, in in its views as well. But obviously, there is the bedrock of Catholicism still within um, Ireland, and it um, 
it's going to be it's obviously going to be that well be that way and obviously in north there's both um there's protestant protestantism and catholicism as well so and they will be bedrocks as well for a while yeah um whereabouts did you actually grow up in ireland i grew up in north on the well north coast um in the middle of countryside um so yeah so uh, growing up in the middle of the countryside obviously invention plays a big part of your upbringing as Mm -hmm. well so um you learn to create things you know you learn to create games you learn to create you know worlds um i even created a newspaper when i was younger you created a newspaper yeah (laughs) and it was very 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 bad Really? Oh, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> no front page scoops or anything? No front page. <laughs> not very much happened to make front page scoops. <laughs> what community was this newspaper serving? Just the household well, or this, the school? This, yeah, this, this was, this was um, serving mainly family and um, wider family and any anybody who took pity and actually purchased it. <laughs> It was a very second-rate um, affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it takes any any good publication a while to get going. Well, so, yeah. yeah, be kind. <laughs> um, what sort of books were you reading at this? Like, what, what books were you raised on? Oh, the specific, like, I must have read about, I know, I guess about 40 Hardy Boys novels. Oh, yeah. Um, I would just, I used to fall asleep with sort of my fingers in the pages and wake up in the morning and oh, still sort of lying there. But so, yeah, Hardy Boys novels... It's yeah. It's a very. They're all as you say. They're all mystery novels. So yeah, that that would be the foundation of maybe where I have the fascination with writing crime and mystery novels. Um, but that, yeah. So and then I, I I tried to move on to some other ones. The Count of Monte Cristo is a, a favorite. It's a, it's a fantastic revenge read. So. Yeah. Um, in your adult life, do you mostly read crime and thriller or? Yes, I still would. Yes, I would. Yeah, I, I read it. Yeah, I read a lot of Ian Rankin and Lee Child mm-hmm. and Val McDermott. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's oh, there's too many tonight, like Steve Kavanagh and, and Anne Cleves, Cara Hunter. I'd, I'll just stop there, otherwise I'll be going for forever for this yeah there are so many legends in that genre um was there anyone in particular that sort of like really inspired you to go and write in that genre or a book you read and you were sort of like because a lot of authors speak about that moment that they read a book and they're like oh i could do this i want to do this was there a book like that for you or well steve uh, stephen king i would mm. because he can write in so many different genres and i I try. I tried writing in a, quite a number of different genres. I've written horror novels and zombie novels and sort of contemporary sort of dramas, um, historical fiction. Until I came around, to, and then until I came around to writing your crime and mystery as well. Um, and I think now, I, I, crime and mystery is what I like to write more than anything else. So, but yeah, Stephen King's work, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the years, that's fantastic. Yeah, any any books of Stephen King's in particular? Um, I would say others oh, from even something like The Long Walk to um, some of the even the more Desperation. I like Desperation, and it's not a you know it's not a 
widely known one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, there's obviously the classics. There's there's Cujo, which may be where I get some of the horror aspect yeah. in the crime, right? You know, um, but yeah, there's just just everything that, yeah. that he's written. Pretty and much. there's so much to choose from with Stephen King because he does write a book like every six months. It's ridiculous. His um his output. It's so good. It's interesting that you tried quite a few different genres in your novel writing before you sort of came to this book, which is obviously going to be a huge success. It looks like. Um, and I mean, f- for me as a reader, like reading it, it's got all of those like ingredients that make reading a crime thriller so pleasurable for a reader just like that feeling that you just can't stop reading it which is so so cool um but what was it about writing in this genre that was so attractive to you over the other ones mystery Mm. i love a mystery i love not knowing what's i love twists at the end of books i love you know twists in the middle you know i i just love even the, the solve crime, you know, solving the crime, um, people who are under pressure to, you know, people who are put under pressure put uh, and, and taken out of their um, comfort zone. Because obviously Chandler in this book is quite happy with what he's doing. Um, it's quite a small town, it's a quiet town, and then he's taken out and now he's in this situation where he's got a, a mass killer. He has to discover. He has to find out who who the serial killer is. So that is it's it's a mystery aspect. Really intrigues me. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of crime thriller readers, but then also there's a lot of crime thriller books as well. Mm-hmm. So this is your chance for a sales pitch. If there's a crime thriller reader wandering through a bookshop, why do you think they should pick up Fifty Five? Because it's atmospheric, and it takes the reader into a place it, it, it gives them a sense of isolation about this police sergeant against his colleagues against um, the serial killer and against the environment um, and trying to solve who exactly is telling the truth it's such a good concept and executed so well James I've asked everything I wanted to thank you so much for coming so far to be with us and um, enjoy the rest of your time in Australia and thanks so much for chatting about 55 no worries thanks very much Angus this was a fantastic podcast thanks for listening to this episode of the Good Reading Podcast 55 by James DeLaghi is out now from Simon & Schuster. You can get it from all good bookshops, including Good Reading's online store at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.